Welcome to the Break New Ground Podcast. My name is Luis Prado, a.k.a. B-Boy El Prad, and we are back at it during quarantine. This is episode 21, and uh, we are coming for, for all the episodes here. We are making sure that regardless of what goes on in the world, we can still find time to find other creatives out here that are willing to spread their story. And uh, this is a special one. I say that for every episode, but I'm not lying because this one, we got Master Splinter in the building. This is uh, someone that I look up to, one of my wisest friends, someone that I would say has inspired me to continue going in the journey that I'm in. And um, I am very, very excited to hear what he has to say. And uh, without further ado, I just want to welcome Tommy Dope Effects Chew to the podcast. Tommy, welcome to the Break New Ground podcast, man. How are you doing? Woo! Thank you for having me, man. I'm super excited to be here. And uh, first of all, I'd like to use this platform, my, my opportunity on this platform to say, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. They're still out there and we're still fighting. What side of history do you want to be on? Before we even continue this podcast, we need to remind everybody that black lives still matter and not just black lives, all black lives. These are trans lives. These are everybody out there that's that identifies as black we need to actually really protect the lives um social justice doesn't stop on twitter social justice doesn't stop on instagram do what you can um it's very important thank you for bringing that up this is the time that we're in and i think it's very important to address that because even though we're in a pandemic we're also in a very very interesting time where hopefully we find some sort of revolution moving forward um, definitely. This was great. This is great. Already this podcast is starting off amazing. Um, for those of you that are never used to hearing music to start the podcast, I think this was great. We recorded a little something. Uh, Tommy went live for us a little bit. And uh, that's actually where I want to start because Tommy does so much and I've known him for so long that it's like sitting here, I could tell you everything that he does, but I feel like that wouldn't do him justice. So... Would you prefer that I call you Dope Effects? Is that... Man, so this is actually the one thing I was thinking about. Go for it. Like, depending on, like, what I'm being called in the moment kind of assumes the artistic role that person knows me by, if you mm. know what I'm getting at. Like, when you call me Tommy, then obviously I see you as a, a good friend. And when you call me Dope Effects, I see you as someone part of the hip-hop b-boy community. And so with each name, like, when I'm in trouble with my mom and she's like... Thomas, like my, my legal name, then I, I know I'm in deep shit, you know, but like with you and me, we've known each other for so many years. One of the biggest characteristics between you and I is I've done more gigs with you than anyone that I know as far as performing and like showing out in San Diego. We definitely represented so many times, so many different ways. So, I mean, if you just want to call me Tommy and just pretend no one else is listening and it's just you and me, then I prefer that. Yeah, no, I... I would prefer to call you Tommy, just like how I would not really like it if people called me Elprod. Like you said, it's, I actually share that same sentiment. Like, if you call me Luis, that's how I know we're on like these friend terms. If you call me Elprod, it's not weird. It's just like this. That's how you identify. Like from the breaking community, this is hip hop. Um, not that they're like not the same thing, but it's more just like you know, it depends. It depends who it's coming from. Um, but you're right. That's actually a good point. Tommy is the person that I've performed the most with ever in my whole career of performing, which is kind of weird. And I think we just came to that conclusion not too long ago. Um, this is where it gets a little bit interesting though, because you do so much and I think you are under the radar as one of the leaders in San Diego hip hop. I'm moving the shadows. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's actually very true. You said it best. Um, and it's interesting because I don't, I feel like 
like people know but people don't know so let them know what exactly do you do now currently um and what what would you put under your artistic skills resume if you had to pick some skills Ooh, sounds like a i mean you just, <laughs> just dropped like a scratching set just a quick one so that's one of the more newer things that you've been up to for sure djing scratching has kept me sane during this quarantine and you know like i feel like i don't personally have adhd but with my hobbies with my interests that's where like the adhd kicks in when i find something i love i dig in deep you know like yes. my heart on my sleeve i'm not gonna hide anything so i i have dabbled in so many different things and i mean if you met me like a decade ago you probably would have heard me try to rap on this podcast mm. but like you know, i'm glad i left that in the past because you know <laughs> we still we still do it i still do it i just um it's something that I don't always want to show to the public. I right. still love it, but you know, it's it's just something that you do to bring yourself personal joy. And so DJing, scratching, has definitely brought me a lot of uh, sanity, clarity, and joy during this quarantine. I hope everyone out there who is experiencing the same quarantine with us, we're going through it together. Like finds that one thing that brings them joy because that's important. You know, I think a lot of us have a lot of things to focus on, like paying our bills, managing and stuff, but find something that brings you joy. So I guess I'll call this list the things that bring me joy. What do I do? Shoot. Hmm. So I've been a B-boy for about 15 years. Yes, sir. It's still going. I still break. I still get down. Um, He's injured more than half the time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, injuries catch me, but like catch me in a chair, drop a break, and I'll be in this chair just like head bopping like no one that's true knew, so that's true breaking i love djing i love emceeing that was a pastime but i still love it um one of the few things that i'm probably gonna get into next but i haven't gotten to yet is graffiti mm. graffiti is beautiful writing yeah and like if i could just briefly get into it graffiti is probably the hardest element to prosper in i agree you know b-boys get sponsorships they dance they could be music videos um, There's a lot of barriers for entry, I would say, for graffiti. For most of your life as a graffiti artist, you're seen as a criminal. Yeah, You're seen exactly. as a vandal, yep. someone who just doesn't deserve any shine. So, shout out to all the graffiti artists killing it still, regardless of any fame coming their way. I wish you guys the fortune you guys deserve. So, um, one day I will hop into graffiti hard, and I think it will serve good purpose in my life when it comes into my life. But the other things I do, especially living in San Diego, is I'm out in the water, I'm oh, surfing, yeah. I'm bodyboarding like You're a passion. <laughs> I came to the realization recently that I think I've traveled more for bodyboarding, surfing in the water than I have for breaking. Which is good, I Bre would say. It's crazy. Breaking has brought me all over the world. Like I went to Burma, I went to like, like all over the United States for jams and stuff. And I love traveling, the experiences with your crew it's like just a whole nother podcast to talk about but yeah with bodyboarding and surfing in the water i personally sought out locations to feed my soul going to like toto santos deep deep south in baja california mm -hmm. just to find a wave that like you know is going to bring you joy mm. back to the thing about joy like it's it's hard out there so when you have that thing that feeds you feeds your soul keep going with it yeah keep going with it that's actually really relevant right now, I would say. Not just for me personally as a person, but I think for everybody. Because finding joy in this current state of the world that we're in is a very tough task. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. So if you find something that makes you happy, you should definitely continue to pursue it. Nourish it, you know? Keep it, keep it in that 
role that it's playing so far in your life. Um, one thing that you didn't mention that I think is very important, besides the music, besides the surfing, besides the breaking, um, you're a mentor to a lot of people. You're a teacher. You're a teacher um, by trade, but also just in different ways. And, and primarily dance. You've taught a lot of the young kids here in the San Diego scene. Um, you've taught me. You've taught me a lot of things. I would say like my breaking definitely got better once I met you and started. Not that you took me under your wing, but you definitely passed a lot of knowledge on to me um, over time. And it came to the point where I was like, you know what, this is one of the best teachers that I feel like nobody knows about. Unless you're like a parent of a kid that's going to like whatever studio, you know. But uh, it's important to mention that because that's kind of how I am approaching this podcast. Because I, I've known you always as a friend. I've known you always as someone that has passed on, passed on knowledge and that has like a lot to share. But I've never had the chance to formally ask you questions with microphones in front of us. So this is it. This is a chance. And I told you I wasn't prepared, but I'm actually super prepared. <laughs> Word, bro. Word. <laughs> um, one of the greatest things that I think I've learned about Tommy over time is that this man has catchphrases on catchphrases on catchphrases. I think the first time we performed, that's when you pulled out the flame on. Um, for those of you that don't know where that comes from, that is a human torch line from the Fantastic Four, one of the greatest teams of all time, Marvel's first family. Um, but... The one, I don't know why, as I was driving here, this one really came to my head, and I was like, this defines Tommy <laughs> to a T. The more you wing it, the flyer you get. Damn. Because this man is the epitome of freestyle. I feel like regardless of what situation you're in, you can freestyle your way out of it. So, with that being said, uh, what is what do you think is the importance of freestyle and everything that you do? Because you're someone that I feel doesn't crack under pressure surprisingly enough that's my my take on you and then you might have some different ideas but how did you get to this point where you felt so calm in your element that you could just always freestyle because i feel like that is difficult for a lot of people hmm this is a good question i appreciate you using your efforts to like come up with this type of question i don't think i've ever been asked that um for this answer i, I just want to pay credit to where it's due shout out to Shout out to Jojo Diggs, shout out to Sam Petey. Yeah. Things of what they have said where I was like witness to them teaching really brought how I could freestyle to life. So to, to move forward with that idea, they basically said it's always about foundation. If you build a strong foundation, if you learn the language, then you can create more complex sen sentences with that language. Yeah. You can build on top of that foundation, build on top of that house, and build a mansion, essentially. Yeah. So, like, when I first started, I was definitely sporadic with what, what I decided to learn. Mm -hmm. But when I took other people's classes, and, like, these geniuses in their lane, they shared their insight with me, they always went back to, like, if you have a strong foundation, then you can freestyle upon that, like, easily. So I was like, man, foundation is so boring to learn. Foundation is like learning how to lift up your ankle properly before you even take the step to walk. Right, yeah. Foundation is like learning how to walk softly. Foundation is like learning how to count music. Foundation is learning how to behave and have mannerisms in certain situations because mm -hmm. the same exists with songs. Like, how do you behave and react to a song? Like, foundation goes such a long way. I think I probably was a late bloomer with freestyling because I didn't learn my foundation until probably like a decade in. So I guess for the first decade, I was just like shooting in the dark. 
it was kind of it was kind of like some days would like be so bad like who signed up with this guy to battle in a crew battle? <laughs> but then some days we'd be like, yo, like you killed it. And I, I, I started to connect the dots. That foundation was the thing helping me. And so like when you build a strong foundation and you put in the work, man, anything is possible when you are trying to be free. Because most people try to be free, but they don't have a strong foundation. And then it just looks like they're trying. Right. right. Very true. But if you have a foundation and you're trying to throw out pieces of that foundation... All of a sudden, this freestyle has substance, has layers to what you're seeing. It's not just like, oh, he's dancing to the ones, the twos. It's more so he's like dancing to the music. There's a rock, there's a bounce, there's a groove. He's moving his lips. There's layers to the image they're trying to paint. So right. um, it took a long time for me to, to learn this. So I'm glad that this platform is available for whoever's listening to, to hear this. Work on your foundation, whatever craft you're in. Right now, you're hearing a podcast between two dancers talk about like freestyle dance. But like with any art form, essentially, even we go to the basis of it all, being human. Our foundations as a human, when you understand that, it, it goes such a long way. It goes into like our deep, deep demons. Like why do we have defense mechanisms? Why do we have like moments where we get triggered and all of a sudden we're having an anxiety attack? What triggers our depression? If you dig deep and you look within and you look into the foundation, if something's wrong with the foundation, I'm telling you right now, that's probably the source of all your problems. Maybe not all your problems. There's probably other demons too, but like, <laughs> I'm just, I guess I'm going, I'm getting lost in the sauce. No, no such thing. This sauce is always brewing. Um, that is an interesting take. And I think it's the right take because like you said, your foundation is establishing your vocabulary and it's creating a very solid um, dictionary of words if you would like to put it that way and ultimately when you dance you want to be saying something sometimes people dance just to dance and even though that's okay nobody can tell you what dance is about like when it comes to this you know, this world this community that we're in you, people really like when people say something and that's why you mentioned like Jojo Diggs Stampede like these are these are people that are good at what they do really good and every time they move it's like when a when a good leader talks people listen when a good dancer dances people watch and those are exactly the people that you would stop and watch at an event because those are people that demand your attention with what they're doing. And I feel like that's essentially where everybody wants to be when they freestyle. They want to feel comfortable enough to just know themselves and establish their vocabulary with whatever it is that they're doing and saying. They're doing to demand your attention and respect on the floor. So that's actually great lead in into the next question because um, I did not know to free I did not know how to freestyle when I first met. Tommy like um, we met in 2014 yeah yeah it's like six years ago let me go back in time right now all right oh, let me man. go back in time right now because me and Luis have a pretty deep relationship we go back yeah oh so, yeah we go way back when I met the dude he would always ask me questions like questions after questions I'm like why does guy have so many questions and so like a lot of times we get into like practice battles right these practice battles will lead into like let's let's give some constructive criticisms, let's ask each other how we did. And so I would tell him something, and I, it would be like, you just gotta let go. There was something about that, his dancing, that he would be holding on to his old self when he wanted to be someone new. And I was just like, man, you gotta let go, you gotta let go. And so with him, surprisingly, he was like, man, I'm just like a choir church boy, like, it's hard for me to let go, like, and I was like, no. <laughs> 
let, let's let's talk about how far you've come, bro. Like that was one of your answers that you ever like you told me that like like you were holding on to this old image of you. There was an older feel of like you grew up in a church and like look at you now. Like you are freestyling more than I seen and you have grown and developed into such like a prominent community figure. So I'd like to I'd like to take this time to ask you, like, at one point where you just like excuse my language, at what point were you like, fuck it, I'm going to let go of my old self and become something new? What was the deciding factor to become something bigger than yourself? Oh, man, this is not how the podcast works. <laughs> this wasn't in the script. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, I think it came as I was getting closer to graduate. Um, not that I didn't learn how to freestyle before that. I was, it was always a big learning process, and even today, like, I'm still learning. But... Uh, I think the, the closer you get to the reality of being an adult, quote-unquote, you know, because when you're in college, you, you're in there four or five years, and then at some point, you have to figure out what you want to do with your life. You know, that's how they wrote it. That's how the scripts, the ancient scriptures or whatever are written. Um, you have to make a decision. Like, do you really want to do your career? Do you really want to pursue your degree? And, and are all these four years going to waste if you don't do that? And, you know, this, this always came from... You know, I came up in the scene like 2009-ish forward. So Strife TV was a big part of what I was doing sure. when I was like learning. You know, that's where I would get all my footage. They did like little fun segments here and there, like uh, a lot of cool things. I really, really idolized Strife TV. I like what Stance is doing now too, but I think Strife TV had a little more personality to it as opposed to what Stance is doing now. No shade to either of them. I love both platforms; they're just different. Um, and I always thought like Strife TV. Strife TV represented something that I wanted to be a part of. And I wanted to, like, always put B-Boys on in different situations, whatever. And I always thought, like, like, who's telling me that I can't do it? Who's telling me that, like, making a brand and starting from the ground up is something that you need permission for? Um, I think the hardest part was always just, like, realizing, like, like, am I able to do this? It was, like, that weird imposter syndrome. But as, as the deadline approaches, as you're getting closer to graduation... You kind of really want to put yourself in a position where you have something lined up afterwards. And I'm not talking about a job necessarily, because a job could be nine to five, a job could be like whatever. And that only takes up part of your day, but college college is an experience that's 24-7. And even though a job could take up nine to five or whatever, what am I going to do with the rest of my time? Like dance is always going to be there for me, and that's just something that I know that I'm comfortable in. But I think creating a brand and making it my own, doing things that I hadn't seen people do before, that was an experience in itself. But I wanted to make sure it was done the right way because if it was just a brand for me, that was not something that was going to fulfill me. Um, I, fa I saw a space in the community where people could, could, someone could just pop in and do things differently for the community, and uh, I wanted to be that person. So that leads into a quick plug. We got the Break NG Pizza Party happening this upcoming Friday when this Yee! drops. You better stop by and grab yourself a free pizza, uh, two slices per person because we want to make sure it lasts. You can also pick up Break NG merch. Um, this is a very quick commercial. I want to make sure that people show up. Orbit Vape Shop, Convoy Street, Friday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Be there. Friday, August 28th, just to be specific. But yeah, that's like one of the things that, that I wanted to do. Just, just different things. Like you never see people give out free pizza just for the sake of giving out free pizza with a brand name type behind it. So that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's what I wanted to do. Um, you're straying me away from the question here. The, the important look, look, thing. The <laughs> you guys just heard it like the the reason why this podcast is so good 
The reason why we, we're all tuning in right now and you're hearing up to this point in the podcast is because the man himself, Luis Prado, is a practitioner of this culture. He, he is definitely putting other people on, but him himself, he, he knows how it, it, how it has to be done to get put on. So when he experienced that himself, like, he's like, I got to do this for my community too because people are doing it for me and I see him doing it for others, like so many others. Like, what episode is this right now? 21. 21. And, like, look, he, this guy in, in itself is like a genius in his lane. So the reason why this podcast is so good, honestly, is because he understands what it is to be in the hot seat. So I think it's really dope for someone other than the guest to speak on issues because he just shared a gem with you guys that was some real real stuff so um yeah man i'm sorry i put the spotlight on you (laughs) that was crazy like you went in and i I think we should all like take notes take notice to what he said and write it down but yeah man thanks for sharing that i appreciate you being vulnerable for a second this is your podcast though so shoot away essentially but this (laughs) this is your episode we came here to focus on you um, one thing that I've always wanted to ask you, and I think I have asked you before because I've asked you so many questions, it's kind of crazy actually, but the the one big question that I want everybody to hear is why why Dope Effects? Why did you choose that name? Who gave it to you and what is the meaning behind it? Oh man, I love telling this story. Yeah, I love hearing it. All right, so just to put it in context, context is everything. Mm-hmm. If you hear a news headline and you don't understand the context, you're probably reading it wrong. So right now, the context of what I'm saying is like, why dope effects okay so i grew up in an era where wordplay was big on being memorable nowadays you're memorable for just being outrageous you know you can go on tiktok and just do something wild man you could be boonk you know that guy just like steals shit and like people like give him views that guy's making money because he's being outlandish anyways so back in the day like you could be remembered if you had if you had like really nice wordplay so i was inspired by crews called universal you and i verse all whoa you know what i'm saying yeah. so like things like that and so my crew is called guerrilla warfare simple word wordplay because it's like vietnamese war tactics guerrilla with a g-u-e yep. but like we were like all right let's just change that into the animal gorilla and it's still guerrilla warfare because there's only four or five of us we're gonna enter crew and crew battles, beat the small army, beat them by tactics. So wordplay was a big thing for me. So I guess where I'm going with this, so when I was like 14, probably closer to 15, I was thinking of like, okay, what could be my b-boy name? During that time, I just had the generic stuff. B-boy creative, b-boy t-rock. Like super just like, all right, this guy's just not trying. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I am going to take a song during that time that i listened to they want effects by das effects efx yes sir and i was like okay efx that stands for effects now what words have like the e at the end that i could put the effects at at the end so the first one i came up was drive effects but i was like i'm 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 no drive turkey (laughs) if anything i'm a raccoon or some some other animal (laughs) like a fox i'm a mammal you know (laughs) But uh, eventually, I was like, "All right, I I, I want to be dope," and there's an e at the word at the end of the word dope. I'm gonna be dope effects. Everything I do is gonna have a dope effect to it. That's true. So I tried to like use that name, and it started to influence my style. I started to take common things like maybe a six step, a CC, things that we all know how to do. It's foundation, right? Yeah. 
but if you can make an effect of some sort to take the same move that everyone knows how to do and add an effect that basically makes you memorable, then I'm doing my job, I'm staying in my lane, hence living up to the name Dope Effects. So that's the little story behind it. It was just based off the uh, inspirations of my generation of that these names had wordplay word, word behind it. Now, there was something more than just like how it was spelled and yeah man that's that's the story behind that it's uh it's kind of crazy because i for some reason when i think dope effects i think of like uh, like a movie you know like oh that movie had some dope effects to it but that's also goes in the same like hand in hand with like i think i told you this before like if i ever had to choose like someone to like perform a bunch of shows with it would definitely be you but that's only because like you go above and beyond what our pay grade is for a lot of these shows like as artists Sometimes people just pay us to freestyle and like do a little willy nilly, like whatever, you know, they don't care exactly what we're doing. It's just very standard, but you always want to go a little bit above and beyond. You want to prepare. You want to provide the dope effects for the show. Word. Not a lot of people do that. Not (laughs) a lot of people do that. And I think even when I work with others, um, I like to carry that same kind of energy where you want to look more prepared than you are, than you should be maybe. Um, And because you always want to stand out as a professional, but not only that, like you want to make sure that people remember what you're doing. And um, that's always been a really big thing. Uh, Talking about first impressions here, you mentioned what it was like to first see me. I first saw you on YouTube. On YouTube? On YouTube, you were battling. You were battling Nico Castro one and Jimmy Jam. I remember this because this was around the time when I was like really hoping that those three would blow up a lot. And it was that Beats and Warfare battle versus Uncomfortably Fresh. I think that's what it was. Shout out Beats and Pieces, my mentors. Shout out Joey Chaotic. Like, I killed it at that gym. Mad Action, all those. These are the homies. Mad Action is family. still, he's popping off right now. I'm very proud of them. And it's, it's really dope to see how far we've all come. And if you haven't heard it yourself, no matter where you've begun, if you are here today, I am proud of how you guys, how far you come to this point listening in. Well, go on, go on. But give yourself some credit because that's that battle was so nasty. I loved all of that, and I actually have it saved in my liked videos because, like, I didn't. I, I don't think. I think maybe it was like the first year of college. I hadn't met you yet formally, um, and <laughs> I remember you as the backflip dude. I don't know why. I was like, that's the backflip dude who like, <laughs> pounded his chest and went on his like on his fist. But that was like the first impression I had of you, and I was like, oh man, like. That was like such easy work for Nico or whatever at the time. And then now like I look back at it, I was like, yo, like there's so many layers to that battle that I can go back and I actually saved it under my inspirations playlist because I always like to keep battles that remind me what a real battle should look like. That was a that was a very good exchange. But not only that, there's a lot you can learn from both sides. Anyway, that feeds into what goes into my career at San Diego State because that's where we established our friendship. Um, for those that don't know, there's a, a big collegiate league out there. I think now it's the name UCBL. Basically, all the California schools have like a b-boy uh, breaking team associated with it. And uh, these, these crews, these teams, like they gather, they create routines, and then once a year they meet at this big old event where they all battle each other and they have a good time and it's, it's fun. And I, I've, I grew up watching those battles and I always wanted to come into San Diego State and bring a championship home. We didn't do it. We did not do it. We came <laughs> close, though. We came close multiple times. If I could say something, fuck all those schools, bro. <laughs> we were the best ones. Those judges were biased. 
we came proper with the crew vibes. We came proper. I don't know what y'all saw, but shit, bro. In my eyes, we were the dopest. And That's every all I single one, even when we got <laughs> smoked, we were good. Uh, I think. Well, this is one thing. As far as like, as far as crew shirts go and outfits, we were definitely top two or three every single year, if not top one. But that's not just because I designed the last few ones, it's just generally speaking. But also, we were the ones that felt like the most actual crew, and I feel like that's because you led us a lot of the time. So this is a, I don't know, I don't think you talk about this publicly too much, but talk about the importance of stateside breaks for you, because you are... You, for a long time, were the face of Stateside Bricks, I would say. Even when you left, because you left a while ago, and you still hung around, and you essentially put us all under your wing and put us in the right direction to succeed moving forward. Um, so this was this was how I knew Tommy, and this is how he strengthened a lot of our bond, but this is also why I say he's like Master Splinter, because I learned a lot about how to be a good leader. I learned a lot about how to train someone, and I learned a lot about what it means to create the right environment for people to thrive through Tommy. Um, and it all starts with stateside breaks. But I know what stateside breaks means to me. What does it mean to you? And how, probably honestly, to be completely 100% transparent, if we weren't in quarantine right now, we would probably be coaching those guys or whatever, Word. helping them go for the next UCBL. So talk about the importance of that. Talk about what that meant to your life. And um, essentially, that's your baby. So worry, man. I'm gonna sip this white claw as yeah. I formulate oh, yeah. these thoughts. While he does that, shout out to Cake. Cake is the underrated hero of Stateside Breaks that I don't think a lot of the new generations really consider. Man, he, Cake he was the man. Cake is the man. If you guys don't know B-Boy Chocolate Cake uh, from Cypher City, he is now in Japan. He was the founder of the club. I moved to San Diego in 2013, <clears throat> to San Diego State. I transferred in. And just to be blunt, right off the bat, if it wasn't for stateside breaks, I would have dropped out of college. And so I'm about to get into that story real quick. So as soon as I got into state, and as soon as I was like starting to pay more money for school, I was like, man, like I'm an immigrant. My parents are like struggling to pay this tuition. What am I actually learning? What am I actually picking up to make my life better? in this school that's gonna like bring honor to my family that's just how i was thinking about it being an asian immigrant yeah you know struggling to assimilate into american society Mm -hmm. like what honor could i bring to my family so it was it was getting real crazy it was getting into like the the wee hours and honestly i almost dropped out i remember having conversations with my closest friends like hey man school's not for me i'm about to drop out get a job and just hustle i got a i got a family to support so along that way, I was making great relations, getting like really good love. The San Diego dance community, bro, they're love right there. Yeah. Without them, unique. without meeting and how open each person was, man, like that, I probably would have moved out of San Diego a long time ago. But because of the San Diego dance community, because everyone I was meeting, Uncomfortably Fresh, Cypher City, freaking Bangarang, all these OGs, even Freak, like freak show like so everyone freak show, yeah. even wild sevens dude like san diego has a strong community they need they need it they need their own feature on um, i hope there's a documentary just about san diego dance but anyways that'd be crazy that'd be so crazy we could do it Breakins, you can do anything Let's i do hope it. you i hope you do man <laughs> this is such a strong community and i'm proud to say that i partook in the experiences they shared with me so back to the thing about stateside breaks like 
when I first got to state, there was no breaking club. But the previous year, Dino, his brother, uh, and Alan, so many OGs of like state, they they won they won the schools for fools battles. That was UCBL back in the day. It's called schools for fools, and they won the jam. And I was like, dude, San Diego's got it. Yeah. But when I got there, there was no club. Everyone had graduated. Everyone had moved on. So I found a small group of b-boys. Cake was one of them. And I was just like, hey, man. All right, this, may, this might be one of the parts you might want to edit out. <laughs> I was like, hey, man. If we had a b-boy club, we could do shows and get all the honeys. <laughs> Why ain't we getting no honeys right now? <laughs> so Cake was like, hey, that's not a bad point. I like where your mind's at with this. I know how to start a club. Let me uh, let me see what the paperwork's like. And I was like, man, if we get any honeys from this, you're the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> so he started doing the research. He started, um, you know, understanding the system that we were in. And so thankful for his contributions to the club because he started it all. Once we got started, it was coast. We were coasting from there. Yeah. We started a club through a jam that the school sponsored so many thousands of dollars for oh, to throw yeah. that jam, and it became a series. And yep. through that little moment in time, motivated by the honeys, <laughs> shout out to all you be- beautiful ladies out there. Because of that moment in time, we were able to come together and learn the like professionalism, learn what it is to ask for a grant learn what it is to make flyers work with guest artists flying from domestic and international guest artists into town taking care of them building relationships stateside breaks to me was the college experience i was looking for yeah if it wasn't for that i probably would have dropped out come may may something towards the end of the spring semester of my first year but because and Keke, if you're listening to this, thank you. Because of what, like, his, like, being on top of his shit, we were able to start a club as soon as I talked about it. And I was acting a fool talking about it. Sorry if that offends anyone. But the fact that he started it, man, that was a ripple effect. Because we threw jams that highlighted San Diego B-boys, B-girls versus yeah. anyone outside of San Diego. We were able to mentor a bunch of college b-boys b-girls into being leaders like Luis leaders like Bryce leaders like Hosun and Alan like all these guys that were part of this program like I'm most definitely proud of and I apologize for the few years I left there was a few years where I was just like spiritual nomad I had to learn and build more on the foundation that I was talking about earlier building a strong foundation to be where I'm at today but Man, Stateside Breaks Me was the reason I did not drop out of college. With that being said, if you have a passion, if you're listening to this and you have a passion, you're in college, if there's no club for the passion you're in, you better be the reason, you better be the catalyst why that club starts because, man, the school supports you. As a student, you're paying them, but you can figure it out to have them pay you to do what you love. And that goes into the whole thing about that ongoing bringing joy into your life you would be very happy if you figure out and finesse the situation you're in finesse that situation to keep bringing joy in your life on other people's dollars (laughs) 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 (laughs)
It's true. It's very true. And I think uh, I resonate with you a lot when you say stuff like that. When you say, like, stateside breaks brought me the college experience I was looking for, you know? Um, and those years that you were essentially gone, you were never really gone. You were, you would check in. And I remember because those are the years that essentially I was leading, quote unquote, because I, those were like the worst years, in my opinion, of my stateside year, stateside breaks experience. But I it's learned hard. the most. It's hard, and I'm glad you learned. <laughs> I learned I, the I most. I had a battle. Like, if, if you know, like, me and my partner Lauren, I, I would talk to her about it. Like, hey, am I being too lenient? Usually I'm a hard ass about this shit. Usually I'd be telling people how to lead. Yeah. Usually I I would be micromanaging. But look, I was trying to grow during those years. It was 2016, 2017. Those were the years that you were leading it. Yeah. I'm sorry that I wasn't there. Honestly, like I apologize for not being there, but I want to say that there was a moment where I was like, "Hey, if I just hold his hand the whole way through, he may have never learned anything at all." So <laughs> very true. Look what you've done. Like regardless of how those years went, look what you've done, man. Like you bringing people together, you can support yourself off this journey. And I think it's important to fail, to be honest. For and like, sure. Even on the grandest stage, and, and I think the biggest, the biggest one for me was that year where we had to travel to San Francisco. Uh, for those of you that don't know, typically UCPL or this big annual event where all the colleges meet, it typically happens in SoCal. But for one year, it happened in San Francisco. And it was this thing where, like, nobody really expected to have to travel that far. And it was also the year that Tommy was kind of MIA. So I had to essentially lead it myself. And this was not something we had done under Tommy. So we, we didn't really know how to, like, like, get reimbursed for our travel or how to, like, essentially travel eight hours up. Um, so it was a lot of, like, new territory, but also... Everybody that was with us was new blood. Like it was, there was no like OG stateside guys that went up with us. Nobody that had like the experience necessarily of being at a UCBL event, especially in someone else's hometown. Like the winners of that year were San Jose Bay Area guys and they definitely deserved it. But it was one of those years where I felt the most embarrassed because we got bounced out in prelims. And it was like, damn, like we really traveled eight hours to lose in prelims. But it was the year that I learned the most, I would say, because like, that was the first time I had ever rented a car. No doubt. Yeah. No and doubt. it's like moving forward, like people are like, oh, you can't really rent a car if you're under 25. That's not true. <laughs> you can rent a car. Look into it. Uh, but Enterprise actually rents to you if you're younger than 25. You just got to pay a little bit extra. But what's $30 to someone that really wants to travel? Word. Um, so, yeah, those are the years that I learned the most. Those are the years that I... Uh, designed the shirts and I'm, I designed the shirts moving forward. The last one actually looked like a break NG shirt. Um, very optimistic. Oh, that was also the year we collaborated with UCSD. There was a lot of lot of learning curves there and a lot of strengthening of relationships, but also identifying like how good you can be as a leader, especially when you have to lead people that you don't necessarily work with all the time. But the importance of all of this is that it shows that without Tommy, Stateside Breaks is a completely different entity. And um, it's true, like. I think to everybody that's ever been a part of Sid Said Breaks, it's essentially like, I'm sure, I don't I've never, I don't really have fraternity friends, but I'm sure this is exactly how they would feel about their fraternity. It's like a brotherhood. And like, regardless of how far we go, the corners of the earth that we touch, wherever it is, like, we're all still going to have our stateside shirts. We're all still going to be uh, stateside breaks members at the end of the day. And, and you'll know because when you see someone that stateside breaks, you do the handshake. You got to do the handshake, regardless of whether you're three years removed or whatever. 
It's a. Oh wait, people can't see. There's no <laughs> video, but there's a handshake to it. Um, so that's crazy. Also, what's crazy is towards the end of everything, there was that question of like, what's next? Like, does the club continue? And we found, you know, new leadership and, and new blood. And, and it, it did come to that point where I was a leader so long that I was like, should I have be helping them so much to move forward? And it's this weird ripple effect where it's like, damn, this was Tommy two years ago deciding this on me. Now it's me now deciding this on someone else. And um, truthfully, we're in this place that, I, and I would love to hear your opinion because this is moving over to your professional side. Um, we're in a place where, aside from, you know, COVID-19, everything that's going on in the world, we're in a place where I feel like hip-hop needs a soft rebirth, um, especially in the schools, especially in middle school, high school, I would even say college, because nobody, like back when I was coming up, everybody wanted to break. It's like, regardless of who you were, you at least knew like someone who was a b-boy or b-girl. You wanted to learn how to six-step, you wanted to do it for the ladies, whatever. I started doing it for the ladies. For the record, never got any ladies off of breaking, so don't do it for the ladies. Right, don't lie. Man, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like... <laughs> Trying to hide his tracks. Oh my God. Everybody, everybody wanted to learn how to break. Nowadays, nobody wants to learn how to break. Everything is TikTok dances. Everything is something quick that you could learn that anybody can do, which is an art in itself, but that could be a completely different podcast. The truth is, breaking will only survive if the new generations keep it going. Because all the people have been doing the five, six, seven years... Like, at some point, they're closer to, you know, you never know, but you're, they're closer to being done than they are when they start. Because when you start, it's a beautiful process. You don't know anything, and you want to learn everything. So for you as a teacher, someone that teaches essentially the essence and the beginnings of hip-hop, which do include breaking, do inc does include graffiti, does include, you know, scratching, mixing, being an MC, um, where do you see that going, and how do you feel like leaders like you, like leaders like Mel, who's also a teacher, people that have that face to be the introduction point for new new uh new members of this hip-hop community how do you feel the future looks for breaking but also for hip-hop in general hmm. hip-hop at its truest form not like this trap rap sad boy era that we're in yeah i, I know what you're saying and this is a hard-hitting question one of the, the this is probably the hardest hitting question of this podcast and so i'm just gonna say that like and i'm gonna say this again and again, and again, nothing lasts forever. That's true. At least in the same form. Very true. One more time for the people in the back. Nothing lasts forever, at least in the same form. So we're, we're talking about the state of hip hop right now. We're talking about leaders of education. Can the leaders of education save hip hop? Bro, like, more like bruh. <laughs> <laughs> bruh you ever go on rap caviar before go on rap caviar right now on spotify yep what's on rap caviar drake what you what are you really listening to how does it resemble any of the core values of hip-hop how does it resemble anything from conscious rap how does it resembles anything from the 2000s things have been evolving and developing for the right reasons though mm -hmm. because we live in a whole nother day it's 2020 i used to be a bitter og i used to like yell at kids be like you're not doing it right but like who am i to say you're not expressing yourself right right kids in 2020 we are expressing ourselves differently mm -hmm. and so 
I apologize for anyone I ever yelled at to <laughs> that you weren't doing it right. You were right. You were just doing you. And right. so now I get that. Now I get that we are in 2020. Anyone who is an artist and who are who is just basically expressing themselves in any platform medium medium, you are just doing you. Yeah. So as far as hip hop is concerned, it's been like honestly like a week ago, hip hop turned 47. Yes. August 11th, 1973, hip hop turned. 47 do you expect hip-hop to be the same thing it was 47 years ago hopefully not right are you the, are you the listeners even the same person you were four years ago you know what i'm saying like so as a teacher to, to focus on the question i just wanted to make a point but to focus on the question look i'm all about foundation if you take my class you're gonna learn foundation what you do with that foundation i totally respect if you take my class, you learn the foundation, you know where hip hop comes from, you learn it comes from oppression, you learn it comes from black lives, Afro-Latino lives, like so many different people contributed to hip hop and like not everyone had comfort. Mm -hmm. A lot of art comes from discomfort. Yeah. So when you learn the foundations in my class, I hope you learn how to express yourself. So any anyone who's like hating on the current state of hip hop, it's like because they used to express themselves differently, and That's the current true. kids are expressing themselves differently. So like, do I think it's going to be the same as before? No, because people are dealing with different things. Right now, we're dealing with a pandemic. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're going to come out with like pandemic COVID type raps, pandemic influence, sure. like people who are breaking and they don't have any friends to session with like i seen some practice footage people are like venting through breaking yeah people, people are getting weirdly crazy right now like yeah in man. the breaking world like it's it's good maybe this is what we needed for sure and the world is changing and for the last time i'll say nothing lasts forever in the same form as long as we teach history properly and we don't for example whitewash it we don't sugarcoat it mm -hmm and people understand where it comes from, then you can do what you want as an artist because you have artistic freedom. Yeah. So like... Struggle breeds artistry. And I feel like there's a lot to be learned there. Um, you, I feel like nobody can ever talk down on someone's artistry unless it's like a blatant copy. Like if someone came out and was like, oh, I'm B-Boy L Pram or something. <laughs> they did everything I do, but just changed the name. I'm like, okay, that's me. You're just me. But if you exist in this completely different timeline than when I came from, and you're still doing essentially the same thing, like, why would I hate on it? For, you know, why would I hate on you for it? And who knows? Right now, we're in this weird era where, like, this, like, sad boy trap rap thing is very popular. Sad rap. Sad yeah. rap. Yeah. 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 And it's, I have a few of those songs on my playlist. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm the biggest purist of all time. Um, but I, I think you're right. Like hip hop has to evolve. And we talk a lot about the music because back in the days, hip hop music was centered a lot around like breaks, boom, bap, like very, very, very pure. And if you talk to any hip hop enthusiast, the purest form of hip hop comes from like nineties era, like boom, bap, whatever. Um, now it's a lot of like interesting production and, and i'm a fan of it to be honest i think production is very important and it has to evolve but how does that translate to breaking 
how does that translate to breaking? How does that translate to the hip hop community that we're a part of? Because I feel like everybody consumes hip hop to some degree, but not everybody dives a little bit deeper to really get in touch with their local hip hop community. For sure. And that's where like you and I come in. You, for example, you host a lot of like um, events that are exposed to a broader audience. For sure. Yeah. Um, this is also one thing I wanted to touch on. You host events. You do a lot, and a lot of people don't give you credit for it, which is crazy. Um, it's cool though. I ain't sure. Right. No, it's <laughs> never about the credit, but it's it's definitely about me having the opportunity to shine light where shine where light is supposed to be shined Word. and uh you've hosted a lot of the san diego night market events you've hosted um what was that one that happened in national city true school jam kimball park jam. yeah kimball yeah. park yeah so you you do a lot of these events where the dance community will come out regardless that's why san diego is so great people will come out and support hip-hop regardless of who's hosting it you know for the better or for worse like regardless of who's hosting it they want to show face they want to show love they'll come out but it's important to have these events in front of people that aren't necessarily a part of our community because that'll be the first exposure. And for you as a host, where do you see that lining up in your big timeline of your career? Because this is maybe not something that you've wanted to do, you know, be an event host, but this is something that has been put upon you as a role. And um, how do you feel about that? Um, how do I put this? How do you feel about that role in your career where you have to be a host to people that don't necessarily know anything about hip hop, but you are their first introduction to it. Mm. You are the voice for these events that people are seeing for the first time or maybe their last time. Yeah, for sure. It's such a big responsibility when you overthink it. But to be honest, like it goes back to the foundation of hip hop. You know, the first block parties in the Bronx in the 70s, even going into like the late 60s, you always had like charismatic characters who was who were able to direct a crowd to keep having fun. So th that's the foundational thought I always revolve to. Hip hop was a party back then. It should always be that way. For sure, and like it, it has to be done in like a open to everyone, and you gotta like you gotta assume a role bigger than yourself. Like if you're on stage and you're all about like, for example, if I'm like, I'm Tommy and Tommy does this and Tommy does that and you're here because Tommy put money together through this, like then no one's going to have a good time, bro. Exactly. Like, who the fuck goes to a, a one man show? Like, exactly. Like you got to put yourself in a position to put the community on. It's, it's the main reason why I throw events. Events are a beautiful thing. Yes. Events bring the community together. And I think right now it's a weird time because the pandemic is not allowing any events. But these events will eventually happen if we just like stay patient and like trust the process. Some what people we're are already throwing events, to be honest with you. And it's really crazy. It but, is you know, crazy. That's a whole different. <laughs> yeah. With these events, what I think about as I throw it is like who's really benefiting from it. Like if I throw an event and it's only a hundred bucks to win, like is it even worth it? When I throw these events, what I typically think about is like I hope there's a kid at the event. Who sees dance for the first time and they go to their mom and dad and be like mom dad whoever that dude was i'm gonna learn whatever he's doing <laughs> and so like it's the uh, ripple effect it's you planting the seed because like definitely when i like when i was a kid and i saw something crazy i was like mom dad like i want to learn with whatever that was that was wild yeah but my parents didn't support it too much and i had to figure yeah. it out on my own so yeah. i definitely want to be the resource that maybe i never had 
you know so to it be also in, explains why you were a teacher for a lot of kids and you you're a friendly face i've i've had i have not taken a lot of breaking classes but i have been a student to a lot of different people and a lot of people have different teaching styles i would say you're very student-centered regardless of what you know for yourself and what you know works best for you you definitely cater to the people that you're teaching and you definitely understand what it is that they need to become a better artist regardless of what they're learning so that's why i feel like this role that has been bestowed upon you and a lot of people don't give you credit for is like it's key and i think you have inadvertently built such a strong foundation a lot of these students that you've built and a lot of the people that have grown up around you and your leadership that maybe will like always go under the radar but i know i know and i'm putting it on this podcast like tommy dope effects chew is like really setting a good foundation for san diego hip-hop moving forward in future generations and even in the current generations that's all i need bro word of mouth is powerful yes word of mouth is authentic legitimate you know like social media is cool and all but it's basically a different beast in itself it's how you want to present yourself yeah word of mouth is what other people say about you so i always say if you go on someone's instagram account look at the photos they're tagged in yeah. Not the photos they're posting. Look at the photos I'm tagged in. <laughs> if you look at someone's photos and they're tagged in it, that means like that's, you know, like... That's an authentic self. That's a whole nother topic, you know? But like, yeah, dude, like word of mouth, I think is what I strive for. And I think it's old school. It's going to eventually maybe die out, but check it out. If people talk about you, then you actually never really die. So like, it, in a way, it's... In, that immortality that maybe maybe we're all really looking for so yeah that's me going really deep into the oasis that's <laughs> no but to be, that's how george washington exists bro that's how we still know who george washington is because yeah. someone told you about him that word of mouth is strong so. word of mouth is strong that's how legacies stay alive to be honest with you for sure i mean nowadays we got photos and videos for everything but Word of mouth is still the strongest. Because there's some people out there that you'll never catch on film. You'll never get on a... Maybe you'll get them on a picture, like blurry or whatever. But that's how Bigfoot still exists. No one has a video of Bigfoot. But everybody knows who he is. Yeah. It's going to stay that way yeah. forever. That's crazy, huh? Um, damn. <laughs> this episode is just taking twists yeah, and we're, turns. We're going, we're going everywhere. We're going everywhere the way it should be. This is something that I feel like maybe you've also never... These are a lot of questions that I wanted to ask you that I had in the back of my head that I don't think you've ever publicly addressed, but it's important because people need to know who you are as an artist and like your truest, truest self. Um, I feel like you're a very selfless person a lot of the time and, and you, you're very quick to share your energy and you're very quick to share the wisdom that you've learned throughout your years, but you don't really ever talk about your highlights. You don't put yourself in the spotlight very often. Um, so I wanted to talk about your career highlights. What are some things that make you proud that have stood out in your career up to debt up to this point and i want to mention one but if you don't get to it i'll bring it up but just before we get to there highlights what are some of the highest moments um for you in your artistic career oh man so I'm, I'm gonna say a few stories right now that's fine um two or three so the highlight life-changing moments for me was not the actual event that happened but maybe just how it sat in my memories. So one of the life-changing highlights for me is I was sitting in my humanistic 
psychology class. And my professor was like talking his ass off. I was on my phone in class, probably. And so he said something that made me get off my phone. I was like, what's he saying right here? He was like, think about a moment that makes you happy. He was like, think about a moment that makes you so happy that it actually brings you to tears. It makes you cry. Why wouldn't you want to do that for the rest of your life? And then bam, I dropped my phone and I was like, what's this guy saying? The day after, man, I uh, looked into Craigslist and the thoughts that were going on through my head was like all the moments with my crew, training, traveling, battling, after the jams, up to the jams, learning, things that just made you feel human, you know? And I was like, I'm gonna do this for, for a long time. Maybe not the rest of my life, but for a long time. And so I got a job the very next day about teaching and because of what he said about like just doing what you do that makes you happy and I was like yeah dude that's that's what's up I'm glad I heard that and I'm getting like deep into my feels right now what, yeah. was, the, what was the question again <laughs> your, your highlights as a oh as highlights yeah. yeah so that was a highlight for sure because it changed the path I was going down if I didn't hear what he said that day I would have probably been trying to be the best b-boy but because of what I heard, I was trying to be the best human because I was a b-boy. It was like a life-changing thing, you know. It took it took my perspective into into different shoes, and so the next thing, man, this is definitely like I, I tell this sometimes. I'm not gonna drop any names, but one of my favorite moments, my one of my favorite highlights, was uh, making friends with this one guy. I'm just gonna call him my homie. We became friends naturally, not even trying. I was like not trying to make friends. He wasn't trying to make friends, but we were like, oh shit, we clicked tight. Yeah. So a few people came up to me afterwards like, yo, what are you doing? Why are you talking to that guy? Like, you know, he's bad, bad news, right? And I was like, what? He seems cool. We got like, we got along real fine. And then I was like, what is everyone else thinking? What does everyone else know that I don't know? But then like for that moment in time, I felt like I took on a bigger role and I was like, forget what we're supposed to believe, you know, go with your instincts, trust your heart and let's see where this can go. I became super close to that guy and he was a b-boy and I think no one wanted to enter with the guy because of his past. Mm -hmm. He was a super dope b-boy. I don't know why no one wanted to enter with him. This is, <laughs> this is so true. I know who you're talking about. This guy was, could have been, I think, one of the best ever in San Diego. For sure. And I'm, I'm honored to call him my friend because through that friendship, we went through like thick and thin. There were some nights where I was like, dude, holy shit. How do we end up here? It's 4 a.m. It's fucking sun's about to rise. Like, how do we end up here? And so through that relationship, I think there was a little bit of healing, like literal soul healing for that guy. I asked him to enter with me and that 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 was the first like timestamp. He was like, No, I'm never entering a jam. The community hates me. Nah. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa. And then that's when I started connecting dots, like, oh, that's when someone told me before not to enter with the guy, blah blah blah. Yeah. And I was like, damn, this guy's going through it. I'm I'm just gonna keep it like natural, just session with the guy, just live life with the guy. And then one day, man, this one day, this is the highlight I'm talking about. We're getting up to it. 
the highlights for one of my for one of my highlights for the career is one day I asked him to answer with me and he surprisingly just said yes for you I'll do this I remember this event yeah and so we signed up it was a two-on-two Everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing with this jam? Blah, blah, blah. Like so-and-so. I'm not going to say any names. But everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing with this jam? I thought you were tired. I thought you were done. And I was like, bro, I'm about, we're going we're gonna <laughs> to see you in the finals. <laughs> we're going to see you in the finals. And so we did our thing. We whooped on people, smacked them up. Man, that was a good jam. We made it jam. to the semifinals. And we lost to the OGs. These OGs, of course. Um, did their thing. Much respect to them, but I thought we beat them. No, you I know thought we beat them too. I know exactly which battle you're talking about. But then the, the the highlight that I'm talking about is when I looked at them afterwards, and I was like, "Yo, there was no fire in this soul that I'm looking at before, but right now there's an ember, and that ember, I'm gonna grow that motherfucker." <laughs> so we kept living life. We kept hanging out together. We kept sessioning. We kept practicing. And one day I was like, "Hey, there's a three on three. How would you like to enter with me plus our other good friend, you know, no no names. And he was like, shit, usually I would say no, but for you two, the ones that I hang out with, we can do this thing. Man, that jam was crazy because in the finals, we're some OGs too. I remember this event too. And we were like, hey, you're known for this routine. I don't know the eight count. I don't know the routine, but I'm going to do this position. You know what to do when you see it. And... Oh my God! We yeah. we did the thing did in the, the thing? finals, oh. and everyone was like, "What? The Is there fuck? footage of this?" I don't know if there's footage. I've never seen it, but I basically like to me that was everything. Nobody to me, that, knows about that routine, huh? That's so crazy. That was the highlight. I think all of us were super happy that day. I think the losers who lost to us that day were happy to even see that routine. All of the above, my highlight of my career is basically revitalizing someone's dark dark soul with a passion that was tainted because of previous reasons but you know like we all develop grow and evolve and i think if we give each other that chance to do that then we can all become someone that we may actually like really really love that self-love is important so my highlight was that for sure it was a it was a moment that I think it's not easy for me to talk about. Yeah. But since we're cool and since this is like at my house, you and I like This is the vibe. You know who that person is, I know who that person is. That person, if you're listening, I love you, man. That guy people don't people don't know. People don't know, but that guy was that guy was crazy. And I, I still feel in the bottom of my heart that if he were to come out right now and pick it up again, he'd pick up right where he left off. For sure. So you you never forget how to ride a bike, bro. And for him, a lot of those crazy moves was just like riding a bike. It was crazy. And so I think I think the uh, the moments we had, it definitely was like within context. It may never happen again. And that's probably what puts it up there for me. Like the fact that it may never happen again. We never entered any jams after that. Yeah. We never became the crew we said we named and all that stuff. 4620, you know 4620, that crew. <laughs> that was the house, too. That that house had magic to it and it good energy. We staged that house. If you live in a bad, crazy, demon-possessed house, staged that house. We we had 
good times and I think that's what contributed to the success that we the short success that we lived so that's probably the highlight of my career that that cruise ship that people seek for the entire careers and do have with people they started with but man like I met I actually met someone somewhere like halfway past halfway through my career that I was like oh shit we naturally click tight and we move forward with our lives and so I hope he's in a good place right now I haven't seen him in a few years but with that being said give someone a chance yeah always one thing that you didn't mention that I got to see firsthand the breakdown the one where you got that exhibition battle Oh. And you pulled it out of literally nowhere. <laughs> I can't wait to tell the story. This I okay, can't wait. I'll, I'll give the introduction <laughs> and then you move it forward. Because uh, this was me essentially learning what the breakdown was behind the scenes. Because I knew eventually I had to put on my own breakdown production. You know, just to spoil the ending for everybody, my version of the breakdown was the worst one out of the four that existed. But no, I was not bad. It was not. Great. <laughs> it was not great. But that could be a whole other podcast in itself. But essentially, the breakdown is the San Diego State version of our annual jam. We throw yeah. a jam annually, and and it's not necessarily a competition event, and it isn't a competition event. Just to put it pretty black and white for you, but we do do this tradition where we have exhibitions of essentially up-and-comers that it's always someone from the hometown San Diego versus someone from out of town and we make it a big event we usually hype it up um, and, and it's like I would say that that jam has some magic because it's a cypher jam the people that come out here essentially just come out to vibe not because they're trying to win 200 bucks yada 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 whoop de whoop whoop it's like cypher addicts cypher addicts met v1 in Russia essentially yeah but there was a year <laughs> There was a year where things didn't go according to plan, and essentially they came out better than they were expected to. But I cannot tell the story and do it justice. I think Tommy has to take it away, so go ahead. All right, here we go, here we go. You might need to edit this part out for my career's sake, but fuck it, I'm yeah. going to tell it anyways. Fuck it. All right. <laughs> so the year was 2016, yes. and I had basically put together the best breakdown I have ever like put together before. Just like, ever? No, there's four, and that was the best one. There, there was like so much work and thought put into it. We understood how to get money and grants for it, and we made it happen. Now, along the way, this is where shit got like really rocky and kind of tested my character. I hope everyone has these moments. The date was April twentieth, twenty sixteen. April twentieth. Yes. April 20th, April 20th okay. 20th, 2016. I was partaking in the natural festivities. I was at school. I get a call at 4 p.m. on April 20th that one of my main guests, the headline of the event was like, hey man, I thought you bought my flight. And I was like, yo, like we had this whole deal going on. I told you the details. You buy it, I'll reimburse you. So on and so on, no names dropped. He was not coming anymore. And it was April 20th and I was like, that headline jet that headline event it just totally just is not happening no more yep and so i was like all right now what are we gonna do about it though we're not stuck here we have about a week until the jam happens what are we gonna do about it that's the main motto that i think anyone should have is what you gonna do about it what are you going to do about it and 
the it was a one-on-one exhibition the main headline dropped out and that was that would have been a dope headline to see happen because i think soon after that person with that was supposed to do it kind of like went underground and like didn't have the same career he he hit his he hit spikes in his career yeah not bad but like he he's still dope he's, he's still, still dope, dope. but he during that position. time he was on fire and it would be crazy to that was his year to hold him down against someone else that was on fire so yeah. with that being said um i hit up and looked into every resource i had and i was pulling strings i was like hey man like who do you know in the area right now that could battle our local legends and so our local legends during that time Shout out Lancer Calamities. Shout out Dino Rock. They still are. Cypher State, Cypher City. Those two needed someone to battle. Guess who was in town? Russia. Not just like any Russian B-boy. No, not just any Russian B-boy. Top nine. We're I, talking about... That's an iconic crew. Tony Rock. Costo. And I was like, these motherfuckers are in town. Not in town, but like in L.A., let me see what I can do to make this shit happen. Now, we were already past budget deadlines. Yeah. So I paid these dudes, all four of them, out of my own pocket. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go out with a bang. I'm going to graduate, be out of school, and I'm going to just make this a really good event. I played for it out of pocket. It was Dino Rock, Lancer versus Costo and Tony Rock. The crazy thing was is that they were standing with T-Rock from West Coast Rockers. Mm-hmm. T-Rock was my first b-boy name. T-Rock drove them to San Diego. T-Rock met me, stayed in the green room, and we had conversations. It was like, yo, my first b-boy name was bitten off you. <laughs> <laughs> and so that in itself was kind of like going full circle. And this event also had Red Bull as a part of it. Oh, man. And that, yeah, was, yeah. that was not allowed on campus. Yeah. <laughs> hey, at CSU, I hope you're not listening, but I'm going to say it anyways. Red Bull sponsored the whole thing. Red Bull paraphernalia everywhere. You guys are a Pepsi school. Pepsi's <laughs> whack anyways. Damn, bro. Like, Pepsi, what are you guys going to offer? Rockstar? Rockstar don't do shit. Who, who, <laughs> nobody drinks Rockstar, dude. But that event encapsulated, I think, what the breakdown was all about. For sure. And... Epic battle. You can find it on YouTube. Type it in. Russia versus San Diego. Or the breakdown. Dino Rock Lancer versus Casa on Tony Rock. Then they threw out bangers. And we had probably one of the best breakdowns that day. Was that... I was a, I was the lower end event on that card, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, if you also want to just like clean your palate a little bit and watch me get smoked by Nikki Q, you can also do that. <laughs> <laughs> that exists on there, too. But that event was crazy. That event, I think, really helped me understand how to throw an event and how to deal with curveballs that come as part of throwing events because I hadn't necessarily been throwing too many events up to that point. But that event was beautiful. I, I still have that poster in my room. Man, I, I can't say too much more about it, but besides, if you're inspired by just by hearing that, if you're stuck in a shitty situation, circumstances didn't go away, my phrase to you is what you gonna do about it yeah that's i think that's the title of the episode i think that's (laughs) it this is where we're at um so i i knew i didn't know but i had a feeling you were not going to mention that but i had to just because that is like that's crazy that was back that was a wild one um so everybody has highlights i think everybody can talk about their best moments i think it's really something when people talk about 
the lowlights of their career because everybody has them. Um, for you specifically, just like everything else really that we've talked about so far, you don't really share a lot of these things. So it'd be interesting to hear what you would consider to be one of the lowlights of your career, the moments where maybe you felt not as strong, not as passionate or whatever. And um, how did that go for you? What was that moment like? Dang. All right, I'm going to just be real and be more human right now because we're talking about lowlights. I think the important thing to share from my end is that usually when I wake up in the morning, my lowlights, and it's constantly always being like, yo, that was lower, that was lower, that was the lowest, are the first 10 minutes of my day waking up. So, like, nowadays, that now that I've developed as a human being and I, I work on my foundation as a human being, I see all experiences, mistake, whether or not on purpose or not, as a learning experiences. Those are not my low lights. Even though like someone might have perceived it as like, yo, that's probably Tommy's weakest jam throw. That's probably Tommy's weakest round ever thrown. My low lights, I would say, just to share with everyone listening, it's my first 10 minutes waking up. Do not listen to your thoughts during the first five to 10 minutes waking up. You gotta understand that that's you coming out of like a, a psychological, mental recharge moment. Your first 10 thoughts, if you run with it, might ruin your entire life. Wake up in the morning, drink two glasses of water, go pee, go shower, do what you need to do, but do not listen to your first thoughts in the first five, 10, 10 minutes in the morning. Like that is super important for me to say because I have found myself in dark places because I tried going along with what I thought when I first woke up. I don't think anything I've done in my life, personally, is a low light, like a, a, a moment where I'm like not proud of because I learned from it. Yeah. But the moments I'm not proud of, honestly, are like how I, how I treat myself when I'm tired, when I first wake up. So like, maybe that wasn't the answer you're looking for. Maybe you were looking for me to embarrass myself. I'll embarrass myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with it. All right, so. Everybody has different lowlights. Nobody, I don't think anybody comes on here and they're like, yo, let's, let's, let's do this. How many minutes are we in right now? An hour and 15 minutes. Bruh, we got to get some food soon. We do. All we right. Do. If you are listening up to this point, one of my low lives, it low lights. if you're listening right now, an hour and 16, some blah, blah. All right. There's some people that religiously listen to this podcast. So That's there cool. is someone listening at this point. You're getting a treat if you're listening right now. All right. All right. right. This is this is recently. This was this past year. It's with context. I'm not proud of it, but I did it still. All right. So me and Luis had uh, a gig probably past the, the past November, like 2019. And we were rehearsing for this gig. And one of my low lights was I did the Hot Ones Chicken Wing Challenge. <laughs> 10 of the most spiciest chicken wings in your life, right? Hot sauces on chicken wings. And I did it on the Sunday. I had rehearsal like on the Tuesday. I was like, I'm cool if I eat spicy food right now. I eat spicy food anyways. But like, this is the hot wins challenge. This shit fucks you up. <laughs> Tuesday comes along. I'm like, all right, Monday, I survived. Tuesday comes along. We're going to have rehearsal. Our performance is on Thursday. I go in the bathroom. I was like, Luis, let's start rehearsal. I got to pee. Go to the bathroom. I start peeing, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to let out a fart. <laughs> I let out a fart, and to my surprise, it was not a fart. And I was like, whoa, those were two pieces of new weight 
in my boxers. My boxers became heavier. Two chunks of something heavy in my boxers. And I was like, bruh, I'm a grown ass man. Can't control my bowels. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm in a situation. What you gonna do about it though? Oh my God. <laughs> Moments away, I had to rehearse with Luis. I had to rehearse with Lisa. We just like got there. I'm not gonna be like, I gotta go home right now because I fucked up. Nah, bruh. I did my thing. I basically took a mini shower in a public bathroom and just like walked in 10 minutes later, like nothing happened. And I was like, yeah, let's rehearse. <laughs> and I don't think he knew. You I, actually I, didn't tell me this. I thought you were gonna tell the other story, the fainting story, but this was- Oh, that was, that was the day after. That was when I- That was the day after? Yeah. Oh my God. Just to add on to it. Honestly, I got food poisoning for some reason. I don't know if it was the chicken wings being too hot or being, <laughs> being contaminated, whatever. But the next day, like, I was like, all right, man, I just shit my pants the night before. <laughs> I shit my pants at 27 years old. Oh my God. <laughs> And I was like, I got to rehearse. But the next day, I was like, yo, I don't feel so hot. I took the day off. I took the day off. I went to the bathroom. And I was just letting things out. I was like, All right, whatever's in me right now, got to go. It's got to go. I stood up. And I, like, fainted. And I hit the floor hard. I was like, I was like, the demons are in me right now. I wake up on the floor, like, five minutes later. Like, what the fuck happened? I was like, damn, bro. I got a bruise on my elbow. I hit the floor hard. <laughs> oh my god. So if you're listening in. If you made it to this point. If you made it to this point, bro, like you are getting some gems that come with being a professional in this league. Like, yeah. I am a professional, not because I'm a great dancer, but because of that situation I was in, I didn't stop there. I was like, what you gonna do about it? We moved forward. We had a rehearsal. We had a great show. We did. And not many people besides you, special, special listeners knew about what happened that day yeah this is a treat <laughs> this far, they'll know a lot more about you that was again you know who am i to dictate what people say on this podcast but that's definitely the first time ever in 21 episodes two years worth of podcasting that anyone has gotten that real about their low lights i don't so give no great. fucks i'm tommy two turn <laughs> <laughs> two shot thomas is that in the building right now <laughs> Oh, man, we could do a whole other episode based on everything that has happened thus far. But in order to tie it all up in a nice, wonderful little present and gift for the listeners at home, uh, Tommy is someone that I feel like has definitely impacted who I am. And I don't think break-ins would exist without uh, influence from Tommy in so many different ways. But primarily, like, he taught me how to be more of a human being in this artistry because everybody can be a b-boy. Anybody can break. Anybody can be a b-boy, b-girl dancer be a partake in the hip-hop community but i feel like not everybody can take something away from it that's deeper than the dance and a lot of what i've learned and a lot of what i've taken away from this dance came from tommy and it came from asking questions he mentioned at the very beginning i've always asked him a lot of questions because every single time he speaks he drops a different nugget of wisdom and you've heard it up to this point on the podcast um he's not someone that would necessarily be out in the world like with a megaphone sharing a story like that but i'm really glad that we were able to capture it in this one hour and 20 minutes of a podcast but you are right we do have to go get food and i think the people need their ears to be like released Word. but if you've come up to this point and you've listened to all this wisdom um 
as always, as always, you know this is what the Breaking Ground podcast is all about. We bring on artists that have something to share, that give meaning to their craft, and go a lot deeper than just what they do. Um, so with all that being said, uh, the last question, and I think you have answered this so many times on the podcast inadvertently, but everybody gets the last question, you're no different. If you could give one piece of advice to someone starting out, or maybe someone that's already been established in this hip hop game, but is looking for meaning, looking for purpose, what would that piece of advice be? Man, that's, all, that's probably the hardest question of the night. There's so many ways that I could kind of guide you with what I say, but look, I teach hip hop on my syllabus specifically, it says, all the tools you need, you already possess inside of you. So honestly, with hip hop, hip hop is a rooted culture, it's about roots. Look at your roots. I could tell you and guide you and kind of like manipulate you into becoming something, but look, at the end of the day, it's what you want. So look, look inside of you. You probably already possess it. And you're not gonna just be like, oh, I'm looking inside me right now and all I see is nothingness. <laughs> it's more so like, if I can give you a term to look up, it's more so like ego death. Ego death is when you destroy the concept of the self and your life is giving you no other choice to do so. When you let go of everything you're holding onto, what do you become? And that resorts to your foundation. So. I could say something just look inside you have all the answers within you that is the best way to end this episode because you have given so much advice up to this point that I feel like anybody who listens it has a blueprint to life um, I give this opportunity to everybody that comes on because everybody's got a lot going on in their lives quarantine doesn't change that and I think if anything we um, we adapt and we evolve based on our surroundings and the situations we put that are put in front of us but in case you have anything to plug for the people at home, uh, whatever it is, whatever it might be, if you, want to, if you want people to register for your class through the college system, this is a chance to do it. If you want followers, this is probably a chance to do it too. So Tommy Dope Effects, Chu, is there anything you'd like to plug before we leave today on the podcast? Man, honestly, no. If I were to say something for you guys to contribute your energy to, there are fires happening all over California. Yeah. Support these firefighters. Give them what you can, support them financially. If you can volunteer, do that. California's on fire right now. The United States more than ever needs leaders. If you are opinionated in any way, be a leader and don't just talk your shit. Yeah, walk the walk. Yeah. Other than that, nah, don't pay attention to me. Pay attention a, to you. I'm a hijacking book <laughs> and say, save the U.S. Postal Service. The reason I can send out break and G packages to anybody anywhere is because the Postal Service exists. If you can buy stamps and you never use them, but I mean, we've all bought things that we never use, things that we probably wish we would have returned. This is a chance to do it. Buy stamps. Save the USPS. There's a lot going on politically, but also it's an essential service to anybody. You know, the reason you can receive your Fashion Nova dresses, your Fashion Nova socks, whatever, because the USPS exists. So, take time out of your day, make a change in the grand scheme of things, because even though we're all artists, even though we're all contributing to our own causes, there's things that are bigger than us that deserve our energy as well. So with all that being said, with this 
I'm going to go ahead and, and nail this down. What day is it today? It's August 20th, 2020. I think this is my favorite podcast episode so far. Word, word. Um, we're going to make sure that this was a good one. We end on a good note. So to everybody listening at home, this was Tommy, Dope Effects, Chew, coming on the podcast, changing things up, dropping dimes. These were dimes. If Seth Curry was on a podcast, I'm sure he has been. Seth, because Steph is not in the playoffs right now. Sorry for the Bay Area folks out there. If Seth Curry was on any podcast right now, he'd be dropping dimes. But this is Seth Curry right here. He is dropping dimes on the podcast today. So, Tommy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing all these stories. Thank you for dropping wisdom, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. Shout out to anyone listening in. Have a great rest of your evening, day. I definitely want to send my love to anyone listening in right now. Yeah. Uh, Take care of yourself. Quarantine is a tough time for anybody. We'll get through this year. We'll get through this time. And to everybody, not just artists, to anybody, always remember, keep breaking new ground. All right. Peace.